In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We are now on this new Sunday, right? Here we are on the second Sunday of Easter, and we're still living in the joy of Easter. And the, the story that's given to us in the Gospel today, right, is one that kind of portrays all of us. Here is Jesus who has risen from the dead, and yet here are His disciples who kind of don't believe, who kind of don't know what to do, who are kind of scared, right? And so they lock themselves behind closed doors, and they're just trying to wait it out for people to kind of calm down, for people not to persecute them, for people not to kill them in the streets, to imprison them, to whatever it might be. Here they are, they're scared. They don't know what to do, they're broken. Their hopes, their dreams, whatever it might have been, has now been shattered when Jesus dies on the cross, and yet they just can't figure out what to do. So here they are, they lock themselves away, they're hiding from the world, and as they're hiding from the world, Jesus appears to them. Jesus appears to them. Jesus should be angry with them, but he's not. All of them abandoned him at the time of his crucifixion. They left him. You should be angry. And so at first, they're scared. They don't know quite what to do. If Jesus comes back and he stands in our midst, what's he going to say to us? Is there going to be revenge involved? No, none of that. What does he say? Peace be with you. Peace. This is what we need to focus on today. But before we focus on the peace, before we focus on the mercy of God, we need to place ourselves within the gospel story, as we have been doing throughout Lent, as we have been doing throughout the Easter week, as we have been doing throughout Holy Week, and now today is no different. We place ourselves in the gospel story because Jesus has something to tell us about the story, about how the story pertains to each and every one of us, right? Whenever we hear about the story of St. Thomas, right, we hear about it every year, and there's always that joke that's made, right? St. Thomas is the one who started the Chaldean church, and so we always make the joke that here is Jesus who appears to the disciples for the first time, and Thomas was late, so he wasn't there, and so he's Chaldean, right? He's Chaldean, he's late, he didn't show up on time, and so because he's Chaldean, when it came time to split up the world, you know, Peter, you're going to go to Rome, Paul, you're going to go to Greece, uh, Thomas, you're going to go to the Chaldeans because you're always late, right? We always hear that joke. But I always don't like how we always kind of make it into a joke and we gloss over what it is of the significance of St. Thomas, right? We call him the doubting Thomas, the one who couldn't believe, the one who was so crushed that he really had a hard time believing in the resurrection of Jesus because he simply was not there. My brothers and sisters, Thomas is each and every one of us. But I want us to again place ourselves in this scene. Place ourselves in this scene. The first time that Jesus appears to the disciples, Thomas is not there, we're told. He's out and about and he's not there. And when the disciples tell him what, what it is that they saw, he can't believe it. He cannot believe it and he won't believe it. Here he is, he says, you know, we have seen the, the disciples tell him, we have seen the Lord. Thomas says, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. But what happens afterwards? Jesus appears to him, and he believes. Believes in the most, in the most exuberant way. He believes, my Lord and my God, how have I not believed before? But it took a while for him to get there. My brothers and sisters, Thomas, at, his, at this point, is not, again, we get this, this 
this idea that he's kind of this second-hand disciple. We get this idea that he's always kind of a pessimist, that maybe he didn't believe because he doubted he was kind of like the second-rate disciple. He wasn't like the rest of them who believed right away. But it's not the way in which we should look at it. Thomas, in a certain sense, is each and every one of us who are committed Christians, who do believe in Jesus Christ, who do follow Jesus, who make the decision to follow him each and every day, but the problem becomes when we see the effects of sin in our life, when we see kind of our intense pain, when we see the darkness, when we see spiritual and physical pain, whatever it might be, what do we do? We turn inwards. We turn on ourselves. We focus more on us. And that becomes where the fault of Thomas is. He's not with the other disciples. He's lost all hope. His hope has been destroyed more so than the rest. He really, truly loved Jesus, but he can't understand as to what's going on. And so here it is. There are these wounds that are going on in his heart, and he can't figure out a way around it. When it is that Jesus comes back, when the disciples tell him, he can't figure it out because he's so imprisoned by what's going on in his heart. And he makes that statement, I will not believe until I see the nail marks in his hand, until I see the side the side wound, and place my finger within it. This is the disbelief of the world that is around us. Here we are at Mass every Sunday, and we profess our creed. We believe in one God, right? We profess our faith. We say, this is what I believe. But then we look at the world, and the world very much so sounds, sounds like Thomas. Unless I place my finger in his nail marks, unless I place my finger in his side, I will not believe until I see it. This is the disbelief of the world, but it's not their fault. The world is lost in darkness, in pain. They're turning constantly inwards. They're turning, they're turning constantly in and on themselves, and they can't figure out how it is they should leave themselves, and they can't figure out how to love, because to love does not mean looking inward, but looking outward. And this is what Jesus teaches us. Today, my brothers and sisters, we focus on the mercy that is shown to Thomas. That Thomas is given a second chance. That Thomas now, when he sees Jesus, he sees the resurrected form of Jesus, he sees what it is that his sins have done to Jesus, he sees the effects of his sin, he sees the darkness, he sees what's going on, and he sees that on Jesus and on his wounds, and he says, this is what I have done to Jesus. And because this is what I have done to Jesus, I must be thankful for his mercy. I must be thankful for what it is that he's given. I must be thankful that he still, despite all odds, he forgives me. He has mercy on me. And when He has mercy on me, how much more should I have mercy on those other people in my own life? How much do I forgive them? How much do I love them? You see, my brothers and sisters, when we turn inwards, and anyone who's been in intense pain, intense hurt, whatever it might be, they know that their pride is wounded, their hearts are wounded, the sins of the heart, of what they see, of what they notice, are truly, truly wounded. And what becomes when it becomes truly wounded? They begin to turn on themselves, they begin to love them, they begin to kind of focus only on themselves, and they can't love. And when they can't love, they begin to see other people as enemies, they begin to mistrust, and all this darkness begins to creep in, they begin to have this anxiety, they begin to just have this general mistrust of people, and that's not a way to live life. Are we forgiving in the same way that Jesus forgives? 
Are we living in the same mercy that Jesus gives you today and gives you each and every day? Or do you shut the doors of your heart? Do you lock away the doors of your heart and don't let anyone in? Don't let Jesus in. We need to understand the mercy that has been given to us and continues to be given to us each and every day, each and every time we receive the Eucharist, each and every time it is that Jesus lives in your heart, that when we live in the resurrection of Jesus and we see the resurrection of Jesus, we can help nothing but to have a new heart. And when we have a new heart, that is when we're able to live our life in a new way. My brothers and sisters, is there someone in your life who is deserving of your mercy? When we receive the divine mercy of Jesus, we cannot hold it to ourselves, but we give it out as well. If we receive the divine mercy of, Je of Jesus, and we're not at the same time showing that mercy to others, you're doing something wrong. You need to withdraw in prayer and to realize, I am a sinner. This person is also a sinner. If we're all sinners and we're all wounded, we all need the divine mercy of Jesus. For us who are sitting here today, how much better should we know the divine mercy of Jesus? We all know somebody in our life that is need, in need of the divine mercy. Show it to them. Show them the divine mercy. Show them what it means to be a Christian. Show them what it means that today on this new Sunday, Jesus has given you a new heart in the resurrection. He's given you something. What is it? Do you just hold on to it? Do you make it just a Sunday thing? Do you make it just something in prayer? Or do we act on it? Do we act on the divine mercy of Jesus? He's asking you today. I have given you the divine mercy. I have given you new life. What is it you are doing with it? Are you showing it to others? Or are you keeping it to yourself? The more we realize the story of St. Thomas, the more we realize it's us. That because of the resurrection, we can truly say that when we follow the divine mercy, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my God. He has taken everything from me. He has, he has my entire heart. And I want nothing more than to give him my entire heart. That's what we focus on as Christians. That's what we focus on as Christians. Amen?